Welcome to the Smart City Podcast, the technology program that looks at how buildings, communities, and cities are becoming smarter, more efficient, and more connected. We look at everything from the big ideas to drilling down to individual projects and innovative ideas that impact your day-to-day life. The Smart City Podcast is brought to you by Locomobi World, moving the world through sustainable, frictionless, and secure solutions. This is episode 22, recorded July 21st, 2021. Our guest this time is Brian Story, the president of Locomobi World. Time to get some background on what the company behind this podcast is all about. But first, some tech news from Brian's boss, Grant Furlane. All right, this is the opportunity Grant has every episode to go through his tech news and find things that uh, are, are coming down the road that may or may not be pleasant. <laughs> yeah, some are good. Some, some are, are good, good. yes, yeah. yes. But you scare me more often than, than not. But yeah, I like doing that. Kind of fun, right? So what do you got for us this week? Okay, um, well, let's talk about, um, first of all, mobile internet usage. Okay, so uh, the recent uh, reports in pretty well everywhere um, show that uh, mobile internet use is rising and desktop is falling fast. Okay, and we know that, and there's all the reports. Um, but I think what you probably want to know is pretty interesting is how many hours Americans, just Americans, because we always have to use Americans, and that's fine, we're good old Canadians, but they, they have the better stats, spend per day on a mobile. And I think, like I was a little shocked. Um, so on a mobile device, you're, you're talking per your, day. How many people are on it per day? Remember, you work and all that. Yeah. yeah. So are we talking about uh, phones and tablets? I guess. Yep. Right? Yep. Mobile. How yep. many hours a, a day, day are they spending on their mobile devices? Yep. I don't know. Two hours. Almost four hours. Wow. So three point six to three point eight. Um, probably four hours now. No, probably four and a half hours because that study was two thousand eighteen because they don't have a new one yet. So so think of this, guys. And how many hours a day are they on a desktop? This will blow you away. On a desktop? Per day. This will blow you <sighs> well, away. Well, I, I, I can't even answer that because I spend most of my day on a desktop because I'm, I'm mostly a writer. So uh, how long? Two hours. Are you kidding? Really? I'm blown away. No, this is tricks that. So you better understand why we're going where we are. And... It's really interesting. And so just so you know, um, the multiple of how many times people are on mobile from from a decade ago is 12 times, 12 times the amount of time now, 12 times in, in a decade. So it has changed dramatically. Um, I thought that was pretty incredible. And because, you know, I think that we don't understand, and I'm not saying that's a good thing, by the way, but it's something we have to address because it's so big. Um, so yeah, that's my, uh, my first round of news. Well, that's interesting. You know, and, and I've noticed something, and this is just sort of a tangent to what you were just talking about all the TV shows I'm watching. How many times does a character on a drama or a comedy pull out a cell phone? Every and time, every single time. There are so many plot points that require somebody to be. We all do. Well, yeah. I know, but I mean, you, you go back. Okay. So if, if you're you- watching Seinfeld, well, Phones back then, but there was nobody on a, on a mobile phone. Now everybody. Is. And you know, I I will tell you that why where the mobile phone, in my viewpoint, has been good for me because I don't like it. I'm, I'm I have applications, I even have patents, but the way it's gone to people sticking it to their face, I wish it hadn't been that crazy. But that's life. But where it's great is standing in lines. 
waiting for this. Yeah. You get to go on your phone and the time passes and I love it. And so what does that open? All the advertising for people, all the things. So I get it. And I get why we're attached because not only does it attach us socially, it really makes up for the tough times of our day where you can go on and, you know, nothing worse than standing in line. I don't care if it's COVID, your COVID vaccination, and you don't even, all of a sudden you're at the front of the line. Why? Everybody's using their app if they're allowed to, right? Right. Okay. Now, so, so I think it's good. Okay. Now, let me counter that. Um, people are terrified of being bored. People are terrified of being alone with their own thoughts. People have forgotten to daydream. Yep. Okay. I'm just, I just want to throw that in because I'm, I'm the same. I'm, I'm the same with you. If, if I'm in a bank and I see two people in front of me and I know that I've got a three minute wait, do you think I'm going to stand there? No, I pull up my phone and start looking at stuff. You got it. And, and um, so the, uh, that leads me right to the next one. And this is a quick one because this is a quickie. So I'm going to ask you something that's going to blow you away. Consumers downloaded how many apps in 2019? How many individual apps? Or yeah, and you could have done multiple times. Oh, Come on, I, I, go go. Are we talking about the number of apps you may have in your device, or no? Oh. How many consumers worldwide total? Oh. If you total them all, how many apps did they download? I don't know. Uh, two billion. <laughs> I knew you'd say that. Two hundred and four billion. Wow. I know. Don't even tell me. Now Google owns the majority of them. Yeah, because of Android. Yeah, yeah, and it's free and yeah. all that. But what has driven it? Maps. 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 Sure. Who doesn't use map? Who doesn't use but Google I, Maps? I would, Everyone. I would, maps. Um, YouTube. Yes. Um, things like that. Facebook. TikTok is another big one. Yeah, but but those are some of them. But you understand. Yeah. Um, if you take away the apps that you use, um, the segregated apps just for Apple, mm-hmm. paid apps, they have none. People don't know that. Um, there's no, it's not even close. Like, it's 80% Google. People don't know that. Because you have, the Apple people are very close to Apple. They don't change. Um, but that is the difference. So, I just thought it was a good application. We're talking about 204 billion downloads in two, 2019. Which oh, so it's, it's 300 billion plus right now. Or 250 billion. Well, oh, I, I know. But, I know that in the first half of 2021, uh, TikTok was downloaded 2 billion times. That's just one app. There you go. Um, so I found that uh, that was huge. Absolutely huge. And so the, um, it led well from the first one. It tells you a lot. But um, like I said, the Google Play Store and the Apple Play Store lead the world. You have Samsung Play Stores, but... Quite frankly, um, Google is creating most of the apps. And now I see why people are worried about the control of Google. Yeah, sure. Even though Apple's a bigger company, market cap-wise. Um, but um, it's, what it's also telling you is you don't have to be an incredible company to get into the market. It's there yeah. for you. Um, and so I thought that was interesting. And now that I can talk about those, I can lead you into a completely different area. And I thought it was very, I actually posted something about it already, but it's okay. Um, So a study by researchers in Queensland, Australia, you're going to love this, found out that wild pigs are uprooting massive areas of soil resulting in, you ready? 4.9 million metric tons of carbon dioxide annually across the globe. 
That is equivalent to 1.1 million cars. So let's talk a bit about the green world. So I was blown away because this is just wild pigs and hogs and so on. What else? So here we are saying we want a green world. Um, and we find out that our global problem is not just cars, which I never thought it was anyhow. And, but if it's wild hogs, what else is it? Now, come on. I mean, did you know that? Not about wild hogs. No. I mean, I've heard about cows. Tons. tons. I know. Metric tons. Um, and so I leave it at this. And, and I want to leave it at this. And I'm going to get a lot of emails in this one. But um, guess what, everybody? You're not destroying the world. What, the world's destroying itself? No. You're destroying your, yourself. Oh. But oh, the world? It's been around tens of millions of years. Do you think we're going to destroy it? Well, that's, that's, you know, uh, give yourself a break. That's guys. one thing I heard from somebody who says the planet will get along just fine. It will, but it, it will, guys. It will, it will heal itself after they get rid of us. 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 Yes. <laughs> um, and I, I try to tell people what we're trying to save is us, not the planet. Please stop telling me you're saving the planet. Now, you're not being, you know, anti environmental. No, I'm, I'm with it, man. Totally with it. But please. Don't get on there and I'm and say tomorrow the world is going to fall apart. BS. The part of the reason the body has infections and raises, no, part of the- We've part, created it all. Part of the reason the body has fevers is to raise the temperature so it gets rid of infections. Absolutely. So, it's all part of the environment. So and, climate change could be oh. a fever the planet has to get rid of the infection would be us. Okay. So I got a good question. Um, Alan, maybe you can answer it. Um, we had, of course- the the whole world froze. Yes. The ice age. Yes. So how did climate change affect that? Who was polluting it then? The, well, there's, there's a lot. No, I get it. But my point is there was other factors. Sure. And, and oh, by the way, it survived it. Why? Because that's what the world does. You think throwing some plastic in the ocean is going to change the ocean? No, no. You just screwed yourself. But in the end, I truly believe we are here to save ourselves. And the, by the way, that's a good, I think that's a much better ambition because if you're not saving yourselves, what's the point of having the world? Well, so I get it, but be, be careful. Like we see this pig thing, everyone's going to come out and say, ah, that's just one factor. Yeah, it is. But guys, it's not about the car, just the car. That's nothing. It's absolutely nothing. It's bad. But if it was so bad, how'd they clean it in LA so quick? Yeah. Okay. So my point is, it's about us saving ourselves. But this is a, not a comical uh, news story on the hogs. But it is comical, yet it's reality of this, this world is pretty strong, man. And uh, if you think that you and me are going to affect the world, we've been around, what, 100,000 years? Even around, like, what, 100 million years? Give your head a shake, okay? Um, but, I'm, oh, of course, I'm very pleased with all the things we're doing. Brian Story had been working in the tech space for years. Before he learned about an opportunity with a startup called Locomobi World. Why would he leave the corporate world for a startup? Let's find out. And let's also get into some history of this company. So we have been doing this podcast for 21 episodes now. And one of the things that we haven't really talked about is Locomobi itself, what the company does, where it came from, and all the things that have happened with the company over the ensuing years. So we have Brian Story, who is the president of the company. Hello, Brian. 
Hello. And of course, Grant is with us here and, and Grant is the CEO. Now, before we go any further and talk to Brian about what he does and his vision for the company, and all that sort of stuff, we, we have to start with Grant because this is, this is your idea. This is your vision. So let's get a little bit of background on what Locomobi was all about and how it all came to be. Yeah. Um, good question. Uh, the Locomobi uh, was a vision um, that, as anyone knows, visions are very difficult to ensue. Um, and essentially, it was a 30-year vision. And it was 30-odd uh, years ago, I recognized that we were going to have a congestion problem. And if we have a congestion problem, you can't run anything. So let's not talk about how great a city is or a building. or a tra If we don't move people around properly, we have two problems. Congestion, which means we can't do things, and two, pollution. So I set out to say, I've got to find a way to move people and cars better. And it had to be something that was not connected, hardwired, because you can never connect everyone via wire everywhere, and it didn't exist. Um, so I kept coming up with solutions that were partially good until one day this thing called the cloud was invented. And the cloud, I was the first to come up with a cloud portal. And um, it revolutionized what we we're doing because now I had to be able to communicate to everyone. So the vision was, how can I build a company that communicates with everybody in transit, parking, toll highways, deliveries, anything that puts a person into a, some form of transportation and get them where they're going in a clean, friction-free, non-intrusive manner. Um, that's a very big, tall order, if you don't know. Um, and it had to be all technology-based because the hardware really would not be part of the solution in the future anyhow. And I said, you know, at that time, one day there'll be a mobile phone, which of course then we, we'll talk, Brian will talk, we patented the mobile phone payment by um, location-based to open gates and cars and doors and all that. So we followed it and we're always in ahead of it, but it wasn't until that came about that this vision came about. And then we started developing all these markets and so on. And then that brings Brian to us. It's easier sometimes to come up with all these ideas. It's easy to develop them. It's very difficult to initiate them. So when did Locomobi itself become established? When did the company... Locomobi was a, more in a development mode, even though it did sales for about six years, five years, but became a real company for operation two years ago. It's that recent. Locomobi World. Um, Locomobi Inc., which was my vision, the development company that had a lot of uh, growth and pain. Um, it was roughly 2015, but then it reorganized into the new venture, which happens all the time in technology. But essentially what we have now is we've taken all everything we learned and partially because technology has caught up, we're allowed to now be the heroes that we were sometimes just the, we'll call the, uh, the technology leaders um, but with lots of issues because people weren't quite there. So now we have this, this great long investment in technology. We invested all in the right areas. And then we said, okay, we're now ready to re reevaluate where we are. And it looks like we're here and off we go. And we brought in Brian realizing execution is the hardest part. And we brought, we need a guy who has done this over and over, understands product management because we felt and feel now that we have, by no, no doubt, the leading edge 
or bleeding edge or whatever. But the reason I don't want to say bleeding edge, that's what I went through. And everyone does in the technology world. I don't care if you're Bill Gates or Amazon or Bill Henry Ford. Um, but you need a guy that can really take hold of this. And we hired Brian. And so from two years ago, uh, proxy Brian can correct the exact dates. He became president of the company. And essentially he runs the company. And I sit in the background as best I can to give him everything he needs, including carrying out the vision. What were you doing before this guy came along and poached you? Great question, Alan. And again, thank you so much for uh, bringing me onto the show. I was long awaited, Grant, to finally tell her story because we have so much to tell. So it's, it's such a great privilege. Um, what was I doing? So my whole career, Alan, is uh, product strategy, product deployment and execution and commercialization. So my brief history um, started actually from engineering, quality assurance, and worked into and had the appetite to get more on the business leading edge and entered the marketing uh, side of, at that time, a private company called DSC that uh, John Peterson uh, eventually sold to uh, Tyco. And then as during the September 11th, and there's the same month that we were actually acquired by Tyco, which was always in, uh, relevant in my head, was also the transition of my my, my uh, career and sole but sure uh, progression in developing into a senior global product manager, managing over $100 million of portfolio, uh, all tech, all on the electronic side, uh, over 160 countries deployed. Um, so a lot of firefighting, but a lot of innovation. Um, and the firefighting, of course, uh, is your uh, tough, tough days. And the innovation side is what really starts driving you. And I quickly identified, I don't, I don't want to just manage the sustainable business. I want to start managing the, the cutting edge. Um, and I was privileged enough to be part of uh, very early stages of interactive monitoring, which it really is smart security. Um, and uh, a small little team uh, in the Tyco organization that eventually ADT brought to market, um, and that's what they called uh, Pulse. So they're really the first big outfit in North America to really launch a smart platform um, that leveraged the cloud, and I was truly privileged to be part of that. And all about IoT, all the buzzwords that we all talk about today, um, and I just... It was, it was amazing is when, how everything gets simplified because I could talk hours on all the decisions we had to do on the different texts that, that are uh, the possibilities at the beginning. So when, when Grant says you made the right decisions, that is incredible because that's very challenging to do. So I then progressed, uh, worked then at uh, Honeywell, led the Canadian uh, marketing efforts and uh, product strategy for all fire and security in Canada. And then um, I came when I was working for Dormercaba. So Dormercaba, second largest access control uh, multi-conglomerate uh, in the world. And, uh, and here I am today. So what was it about Locomobi World or Grant or the idea that was what the company was actually trying to create that brought you away from Honeywell? I mean, that's, that's a huge multinational company that's traded in all the major exchanges. Why would you leave something? Dormaco was his last company, but it was a 3 billion. Okay, well, fine. Why would you, you know, 
Is, is it because there's no dress code here or so what is it? Why leave corporate? Right? Yeah, why leave corporate? Yeah, because, I mean, there's there's opportunity for advancement. The money must be good. The the, the stock options must be great. The, the employee share purchase plans must be great. Why would you come? It's the fuel and energy. So you're absolutely right, by the way. Um, all great companies. Uh, so there was a lot of, and don't forget when I came, it was actually less than two years ago, meaning it was right at the uh, at the forefront of the beginning of the pandemic. So it's right in February of last year. So there was a lot of people questioning why make the leap and why, why join. And, and you hit it. Part of the ingredients of this recipe is certainly, um, simply put, it's very challenging to feel 100% utilized within a corporation. So although I worked for great companies, great leaders, um, I always felt the need of either entrepreneurial myself, or I would love to, to, to take my talents and I don't want to be boastful, but uh, take the capabilities and make, you know, makes something that hasn't fully developed and evolved into that true, uh, uh, winning solution. So you wanted to be a builder and an innovator. Uh, I want, I want to help solidify that, that road for someone. And because you quickly learn being a surreal, being an entrepreneur in itself, um, is very dif- different. Right, put your money where your mouth is, you say. Right. Um, so I'm coming in, and I, I'm working for Grant, and absolutely, Grant's part of that piece. When you meet Grant, um, the energy and the thought leadership, but more importantly, the visionary, are um, you, you get aspects of that within my history, but you never get that all in one. And you could tell he was running. He he runs, he runs ahead of the pack, and 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 sometimes without any kind of feedback loop, meaning I felt that I could apply my expertise on understanding his visions, his needs, and uh, simplifying them down to actually deliver. So as well as president, you're the grant whisperer. Uh, not yet. Done a good <laughs> job. He's done a pretty good job. Um, yeah. My hope is he is. So Grant can really take it easy. So here's... <laughs> This is a very lean company in terms of headcount. How many people are actually working full-time for a locomotive? Direct, well, okay. So direct employees, yeah. 14. So small. Mm-hmm. Um, indirect full-time contractors, a lot. A, a lot, just under 100. I think that's important because that's how we come out. Because, you know, once one thing Brian, um, and he'll talk about in the strengths, is Brian didn't start with a vision was, let's build a portal. Brian started with, we have this portal that no one has, and it's very big. Um, and so we don't need the 30 developers I had in the past. We need a strong group with backup to grow the company. Now, he is hiring quite a bit as we go along now. So it's going to change dramatically, hopefully not too dramatically, um, as needed. But uh, we're in the world of India um, support. We're in the world of China, India uh, Eastern, Eastern Europe. Europe. Um, and so we we look at that option as far as subcontracts. Yeah. So you, you outsource when necessary. Absolutely. Yeah. We, yeah. Keep all, we keep all the IP here. But when you're outsourcing doing in and develop stuff that so much is done already, and I'll let Brian go through it because he's learned it. Um, you don't need the headcount. I would say unless we do an acquisition, our headcount hopefully will only be 25 or 30 people. That's correct. That, that's, that's part of that five-year trajectory that we there that you we go established. And, and that's mega mega revenues which we don't want to talk about today but um it's all the way the future is going with probably most companies what's 
are the key strengths of, of any company, you know, living in a smart world and adapting to technology, which is changing every, not forget every year or every month, but every day? That's a, it's a fantastic question, but it really comes down to base principles. And first and foremost, the, the idea of a smart city is still evolving, right? So that, that's very fundamental. So that means is what, what are the key, key, uh, winning, uh, you know, winning recipes to it is a actually looking external and understanding that tech. So although it's changing daily to us, to consumers and to everything else, um, you, you know, you, you, there are advisories where you know, what's emerging. Yeah, and you can it, see, you can see stuff coming down. The correct. Road. And as, oh, Grant says the news, right? Everything you see in the news, you still don't see that uh, drone service that I heard about uh, yet, but it will come and then we'll say, wow, it just came. It didn't just come, but you have to be external looking at all times. That is part of our recipe of success. Um, and, you know, Grant knows my culture when I came here is all about client obsessed. Love that word. One of our first uh, um, uh, guests on this podcast used that term. And uh, you, you must know and understand your client's needs even if they don't understand themselves, because you then understand their problems and what they're ultimately trying to achieve. So said in other words, every client has a vision. They have what they want. Yeah, and they they skip right to tactical stuff, right? Of course. They don't think about any of the key issues or any of the ways to get what they need to accomplish, and then tactics follow underneath that. So you help them organize um, their vision into something that's actually actionable. Absolutely. And, And, you know, we're very proud and one of, you know, our key is we are a solutions provider. So our turnkey de- infrastructure development technology company that goes all the way down from vision design, de- development, deployment, commercialization, and installation and service. So although we're continuing to expand our channel partners, and we'll get into that further, um, the whole thing is understand that client, understand the technologies that can achieve that, and then be able to deliver it in those timely fashions and not be an experiment, which we'll call betas. Okay, but you've got 14 people here at head office. Um, and then I, I, I'm imagining what you do is for some of these other things. I mean, you come up with the turnkey, turnkey solutions, but for actually implementing them and making them manifest, you hire out. Well, we call channel partners. Okay. And, and, and I think that um, something Brian is used to in his world, we are not as entrepreneurs. We think we make it all, we deliver it all, we sell it all, and it all sounds good. But in actual fact, it just means you're going to keep funding and funding and not grow the way you should. Brian, uh, one of his key areas was we got to have channel partners, and he's got lots of them now. He'll talk about the other stuff. But I don't want to let him talk about that. But the key is the strategy is that you stick to the strategy. Um, do we make right-hand turns? Of course. That's the market that we're in called technology. If you can make a right-hand turn whenever you want, you're very lucky. Um, and we're fortunate to do that. So um, channel partners, acquisition uh, can be part of what we do. Um, so they're all in, they're all in the, um, the plan. Uh, but you don't do it well without a great financial partner. And we have a large fund that partners with us, Winsale Capital. And so we're fortunate that we have all the pieces to make it work. So what are some of the things that you've seen Locomobi do in your time here? Some of the accomplishments that uh, the company has achieved? So we went from 
when I when we first joined, we were selling typical style products and applications. So be very clear, Condo Park. Condo Park was a great growth vertical. And um, I would say, um, few, uh, let's say a, a different way of revenue control, which everyone calls parking. Um, and we've transformed ourselves. So one of the huge accomplishments is listening to what we're trying to achieve. So the, what we're achieving for the most part, it's not access control and visitor management. We're actually further securing in a gadgetless way, buildings and communities. So um, we've, we were awarded a project in Laval uh, uh, with the Sarukin Group where their number one concern was the 3,000 vehicles that are entering their, their, their complex, their community each and every day and how to manage that, how to enforce that, getting the right people in, keeping the wrong people out. And that's what we do. So we're very proud of that because that's not a product. That's a solution that we tailored from this vast rural stream portal that we have. So we have all the tech, we have all, all, the, all the abilities to do it, and it's just deployment. Um, that's, that's one of the, uh, of the initial stories. And then very near term, you're going to see some recent uh, de- uh, deployments that we do almost monthly. Um, we now have a fully automated and secure solution for towing and impoundment. Uh, that's off the heels of trucking. But more importantly, what's, what's, what's really fascinating, which really I'm, I'm very excited about, is going into our robots and going into our wearables and truly getting into that leading edge beyond the tech side of applying it to, I'll say, standard or common issues to really now being disruptive and, and getting into that futuristic, if you will, mindset of how to do things better. Okay, wait a second. How... Without tipping anybody's hand or robots? Well, um, now we're getting to Grant's crazy mind area. Um, I have a lot of things that I've been working on, Alan, for years. And I felt that the people employed by me were not listening and carrying it forward. And, of course, again, Brian came along with, by the way, an incredible team. Um, And um, one by one, these ideas you're talking about are not new in my mind. Um, I was doing wearables like last before anyone in Canada was doing it. And we're coming out with some wearables with that. I was doing, working on a robot for 10 years. And essentially a robot that will go through a garage, go on the sidewalk and track vehicles, uh, go in a garage, go to the next lot on its own, um, climb up and down ramps, monitor all the cars and give you directions. And... Oh, if you want to tap my head, you can pay. Well, that all sounds futuristic, but it's not. Okay. We are a high-tech company in a low-tech industry. And so because we have found co-founder like Barney Powell, who we know was on episode 15 and invented search with Bing and put the first spaceship with artificial intelligence to, for NASA, we're talking high-tech in our industry. Okay. But the things that Brian's rolling out have made us not a part, we, we were never a parking company. I view that uh, parking is part of a solution, which is manage of all the transportation infrastructure. One doesn't work without the other. So my goal is much different than anyone else in the industry. I went full cloud, full manageable, 
realizing that there are products along the way. But in the end, connect what you like. We will manage you from the day you walk from your house. All right. So so basically, you've got a a huge tool chest with all these things that can do all these different things. And uh, a client will come to you and say, here is my problem. And then you just go to your tool chest and pull out the relevant pieces of technology and build a solution for this client. And many times they're shocked at what we have. They don't believe it. They they actually say, I got to talk to somebody. Because lots of guys make a lot of good claims, but they actually don't do it. Now, when you say a tool chest, that's exactly what it is. Um, I'll give an example. We filed, I think, six patents in the last month. Seven. Sorry. (laughs) Wow. Um, See, Brian's even ahead of me. But my point is, it's a whole different world. And it's nice to see technology worked on, visionary, for 10, 15 years come to fruition now. And it's still way ahead way ahead. And Brian, um, uh, his ability to, remember, he has the product channels already. He knows all the people worldwide. So it's just a matter now of, of what we have to do with those channels. So like a lot of companies will struggle to create um, bespoke solutions um, rather than go out to the marketplace and find out that there are off-the-shelf solutions that are there that are reliable, tested, um, easily serviced and maintained. And, and you guys have a lot of, of those off-the-shelf solutions, right? Absolutely. Okay. Um, and, and I think what you have to understand, when we started out, whether with me or anyone else, um, you had these product solutions that were, you know, great. You get X amount, you do X things. That was great. But um, that's now dead. And anyone running legacy like that is going to fail. Uh, no disrespect back from any of you, but that's what happens to anyone, including us, by the way. If you if you become a legacy system, you will fail. So um, these things you pull out of your pocket um, still are things people go, no way. So it's not a matter of what we have. It's a matter of telling people what we have because it's very difficult in today's world to get it all out to people who will understand what we're actually doing. They don't get it. And so Brian's doing a great job of, what do we call it, Brian? Proticizing or productizing? Yep. Um, Proselytizing. Yeah, that's what it is. And, and, and so that's what we've had to do. And we have so many partners, I don't know, 15 dealers. It's just all of a sudden it's there. And with the patent being filed, and, I, and I, we can talk about announcement today, Alan. So remember, I think the biggest thing that I've always said with Brian was, it's sure nice to see the full circle come back. So what was the full circle? Products, interaction, collecting data, right? And then media applications of talking to your end users. I saw that come over the last few months. We, we think, but the biggest one was we haven't announced it yet, but we will right now. The Toronto Real Estate Board, um, which is the biggest real estate board in the country with 62,000 members, just awarded us to be WorldStream as their provider to move people in and out of their facility and talk to all their membership through WorldStream as far as transportation and parking. Um, what does that tell, give us? What did I want out of that? 62,000 users running, driving around in, in Toronto. Not the system. I want the system, of course. But I just added 62,000 users. And what are they in? Real estate. What are we in? Real estate. So it's nice to see a full circle that 
Um, we were the only ones that could do it. But the fact is, my excitement was, what can we do for these people? And their clients that are looking at homes. Um, I met with a client today uh, who will announce we another big developer um, who said, you know, I got a lot of problem with science and getting people to look at our suites. I said, what if we had an application that pointed people to your suite and gave them a cup of coffee or a free pass to come look at your suites? He goes, you got to be kidding me. No, we have it now. It's called Move Me. Because you've got to be kidding me. Um, I want to call you separately about that. So do you understand what I'm saying? You can see how all the pieces we put out have come full circle. Is that, is that fair? Absolutely. The, it's, it's understanding, you know, you said at the beginning, Grant, it's, it's understanding the vision and the deploying it. And we had three pillars. Every company is built off core and pillars. And our pillars just so happen to be pretty expansive. So one being, you know, we move the world. So we move vehicles, we move people, and we move data. And you put productize that. We have world world stream uh, that does anything and everything to do with digital um, IDing of vehicles, of access and payment, so on and so forth. Um, we on the people side. That's the movie application, which is a great promotional engine, which is very topical of the and relevant for that user at that time and place. And then on the cybersecurity side, it's World Secure, which which is uh, we're at the forefront of developing and becoming into uh, okay. So shortly. so a little bit on World Secure um, developed alongside with with my co-founder Barney Powell, who knows a little bit about AI and artificial intelligence and um, machine learning. Concerning, he's one of the early inventors. And he also heads up the Toronto, the Canadian part of the group of the uh, Creative Destruction Labs. Um, so let's talk a bit about cybersecurity. Um, it's everything we read about. Alan, you and I talk about it a lot. So we recently announced a product that could be in every home. And there's 157 million homes in North America um, that will, and we haven't finished it, but we've filed our patents on it. And, Essentially, what it does is it protects you from being attacked, your data. 100% secured, the first of its kind. What, specific to your home? To, well, it could be anything. So, um, well, specific to you, though. Yes. Okay. So, you could be a company, you could be your home. So, uh, essentially, we felt, look, we're moving cars, we're moving people, we're moving data. How good is that data? Are you really a smart city? Are you really a smart building or a smart home? No, you're not. There is no one out there right now can say, I can protect your data. And we have a new design that we just filed that we're fairly certain it will do that. Okay. Um, and what it does, it, it, it eliminates the need for conventional firewalls, um, VPNs, any type of that. And so we're pretty excited about it. And, and I think that's the full circle, right, Brian? Um, the full circle is data, people, vehicles. It's all the same. And we better damn well protect it. I don't want to be driving my smart car down the road and plash into a bridge. Mm -hmm. now, I, I have a, a, okay. We talked about being forward thinking. How far down the road are you looking? Because if you are going to surprise your clients with technology that they didn't even know existed, you're going to have to think of that technology and develop it before anybody thinks to even ask for it. So how far down the road are you looking? So I love this question because, uh, first of all, I actually found this, was, this is a, uh, it, it, it is the number one 
reason when everyone says, Brian, what's your biggest challenge with Grant? By the way, it's always with Grant, not with the company. Interesting enough. Um, it's the absolute several different stages at any given time in any given state of where either the tech, the product, or the customer state is. So what I mean by that? We are truly um, looking at uh, the cybersecurity we're talking about is no different than just the one singular point on episode 15 that Barney identified when quantum theory becomes quantum physics and it becomes a reality, all current authentication and security is obsolete. So that's how far we're ahead we're thinking is is that way. Sometimes you put money and brain power towards it, which we are, and sometimes you just have that as as a signal and you just look and look towards that. And then all the way down to um, your existing legacy. And I do say legacy because they're, you're, um, you're constantly in a, in a constant transition and it's actually very fun. I'll share this because we've not talked about the amazing team that we have. And we're on site and I have my technician essentially upgrading a customer because he's like, oh, but we can do this now. Like, yeah, remember, Alan, this is not, they're allowed this upgrade because the system's not working. He's working on the system and saying, oh, we can do this now. We just throw it in there right then. Yeah, we can enhance it on the spot. And you and, and just show that how disruptive that is. The senior uh, project manager is like, well, but, but that's a material change. We're like, but that's a credit to you. That's a, it's a 10X on your, on your actual application. It's all win. And it was uh, with this particular client, incredible client with us, long-term client. So the trust was there, but it was just amazing to see that this doesn't happen. You're giving me a, essentially a free upgrade. And, and I think you got to remember, like, like Alan, you said something. You said, well, how far do your clients think? Well, they're all different. So understand one thing. We already have a customer for our robot. You do? Oh, yeah. It's going in. Do you have a prototype actually walking around someplace? No. So we have a prototype designed. That's not, okay, sorry. Yes, we do. But it's not built to its final, which will be done this month or next month. My point is, while we are looking at doing things for clients, we're looking for forward-thinking clients who want to be the leader and are prepared. You don't find a lot of them, okay? But I will say this, Alan. The youth of today that are coming through expect this stuff. They're not, you know, I'm, I'm older. Okay. How will we say more mature than most? Uh, you're seasoned. Um, not according to my wife, oh, right? Okay. But um, wise in some things. But my point is, when you start dealing with the new millenniums or, or younger coming through the system, it's much easier. Um, they get it. They expect it. They want it. When they become the leaders, um, that is where you'll see even a, a quicker change, which is coming. Well, I think we've, we, we've talked about this in previous episodes that we're entering a change of industrial revolution that is unparalleled since the 19th century. And it's all technology-based. Um, here's a final question for, for Brian. Um, what do you do when you're wrong? What do you do if you make a prognostication, a prediction about the way things are going? Do you, you know, do you kill the baby and, and, and just start again? Or what, what do you do? You, you must have run into situations where we thought things were going in this direction, but something unexpected, you know, maybe a pandemic or a black swan comes along 
and changes everything. How do you, how do you pivot? Well, we, it, it's, it's inbred. It's part of your DNA. It's part of your culture. So, um, I was going to answer, uh, uh, you elongated that question, uh, Alan, thank you for it. I was going to say, I'm always wrong, right? I'm, I'm, I'm also uh, right with my expertise, but, the, but meaning we have a very collaborative and very effective and, and, and immediate decision-making process. So uh, we have a completely flat or- organization. Everyone reports to me. And some people are like, yeah, Brian, it's 2014. No, that will, that will stay the same. And the reason for that is because everyone is empowered. So we have a very immediate uh, crisis decision um, uh, process and we move forward. What we never do is bury it. We uh, always go through root cause analysis, no matter if that's a daily problem or I know you're alluding to on a 10-year vision problem. But we, we uh, identify and we put a plan no hope. It's always a plan, and we move forward. And it's it, and you have you know the the recipe of that would be uh, a series in itself, not just another episode. Because um, of course, it's all about managing up, managing expectations, both internal and external, and so on and so forth. But uh, what do I do when I'm wrong? I leverage our strengths, which is our team, our understanding, our data, and then we make make a go forward plan, whatever that plan is. And making sure everyone internal and external is aware and why, and we move forward in the most ex- expeditious way. Anybody building rockets yet for space tourism? We're not. Okay. I, too, I we're more thinking about uh, after that. Uh, well, we're more thinking about where are they going to go when they land. And so <laughs> we're uh, thinking of park all the rockets. <laughs> <laughs> but I like your thinking, Alan. So. And that's it for this edition of the Smart City Podcast. Thanks again to Brian Story, the president of Locomobile World, for all that deep background and foreground. Another program is coming up soon with another conversation with someone who knows where we're going with smart technology. Comments are welcome through feedback at thesmartcity.blog. And check out the website, thesmartcity.blog, for past programs, as well as who and what else is coming up. The Smart City Podcasts, brought to you by Locomobile World, moving the world through sustainable, frictionless, and secure solutions. Executive producer is Grant Furlane. Technical production by Rob Johnston. Executive assistant is Andrea Crawford. I'm Alan Cross, and we'll see you next time.